Hey everyone, it's Jason Probst, that guy in Hutch, and you're listening to that podcast in Hutch. Today, we're going to talk about trucking and the life of a trucker, because you're hearing all this in the headlines, you're seeing it, you're reading it, you probably have read a lot of stories about how there's a trucker shortage, people are leaving the industry, or they're getting to retirement age and they're getting out of trucking. And you're seeing the results of some of these supply chain issues and some of these trucker shortage issues in your grocery store, or I should rather say you're not seeing it in your grocery store because you notice just like I do that there are places that are empty in the store and you're not seeing those things. So I want to talk about that today. And instead of going to industry experts, government experts, trucking associations or any of those uh, people who generally talk about this issue, I've decided that we will cut through all of that and we're going to go right to the source and talk to someone who's had a career in trucking and still has a career in trucking. So I'm going to introduce to you my friend, Tim Smith. Tim, thanks for joining today. Yeah, glad to be here. All right. First, we, we got to be honest with people. You and I have known each other for a little little bit. Yeah, we? like 30 years, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we so. grew, we, we, uh, we were in high school. We, did, we didn't go to the same high school, but we were friends in high school and started hanging out, much to our parents' chagrin. And, uh, and, uh, but somehow we managed to keep a friendship going all those years. Yes, yeah. All right, so... I really want to just kind of give you the floor here and, and let you talk about this, but help people understand or just kind of paint a picture for them of what life is like as a, as a long haul truck driver. Okay. Let's, I, there's so many things to start out with, but let's just kind of take you through, uh, or, or let's just say, I'll go back to one of my old jobs that I had and you'd make a delivery like here in Kansas on like a Monday morning to start out your week. You, you got back too late to get it unloaded, you know, the week before. So you start out, you make that delivery. Then you uh, then you go and, and get your, where I worked out, they had a trailer preloaded for me. It was a flatbed company. So it wasn't, you just didn't hook up and drive it. You had to get out and secure everything down to the bed of the trailer to make sure it could go. Um, then once you do that, you know, and as soon as you start your day, you have an electronic log. So you, and it knows when the truck's moving. So you have to come in, you got to do a, a pre-trip inspection, make sure that all the wheels are still on your truck. You got air in your tires, you got oil, um, all your lights are working, all that stuff. Um, and then once you do that, you started your clock for the day and you have 14 hours to get everything done in. Um, so, so I would go do that make a delivery, go get another trailer, get it all tied down. And this whole time you're, you're using up time. Um, once you do that, then I would say take off. And let's just say, for instance, I was heading to the east. Um, so you'd be going down I-70, you'd get through Kansas City, depending on how long all that other stuff took, um, would depend on how far you would get on to go that night. But because uh, you can drive 11 of your 14 hours. But normally by the time you would do all that stuff, you'd probably be down to somewhere to six to eight hours that you could get driving. So you'd probably get there where you'd run out of time about in the middle of St. Louis and there's nowhere to park a truck there. So you would end up stopping somewhere west of St. Louis in Missouri. Um, then you go in, um, you know, depending on stop and get a shower, try to get something to eat, um, then go to sleep so you could get ready to get moving again the next day. So the next day you, uh, you wake up and, um, first thing you do is you're like, where am I at? 
And you're like, wait, I'm in the truck. Okay, now where's the truck at? And then you, I mean, every day it was disorienting that way. Um, and then you normally start out by urinating in a bottle because you don't have a restroom in your truck. And you probably can't hold it all the way till you walk into the truck stop. Um, so that's why it's a great way to start. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know. And, then, and, 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 and this and, is a thing that people really, these are the things that people don't realize, right? They, yeah, 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 yeah. They, 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 they don't realize that. Yeah, you know, every they, trucker has a, a pee bottle. Yeah, yeah. And once you get that thing full, you got to figure somewhere to dump it you yeah. know um i mean it's just it, it's gross but i mean you know especially when it's cold out who wants to run in just to take a whiz i yeah. mean or if you, you wake up in the middle of the night yeah 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 exactly exactly um and so and, and that's if you're lucky enough you're, like i said you're at a truck stop sometimes there's nowhere to park at a truck stop by the time you get there um you might be at a rest area well at least you can go in and use the restroom but you don't have any buy coffee. You can't buy anything to get you going. You know, and you try to keep a lot of that stuff in your truck, but at the same time, you'll run out of stuff. You, you won't have whatever going on. Um, so then you get up and you, and you get going. And of course, cause you had to stop before you could get through St. Louis. Um, then you're fighting rush hour traffic all the way through it. Um, whereas in the old days when you weren't totally monitored by an electronic logbook, um, you could you could have drove on that night and got the rush hour behind you and you could have found somewhere to park over there well that that, that didn't work anymore there's, there's no way to to get around that um which is always a debate i've had is it safer to let a guy drive longer so he's not clogging up the road the next day or do you just want to have that hard fast rule to make a guy stop um well they decided it's a hard fast rule and you're just gonna you need to stop there um so anyway so, so you take off you go you know three or four more hours, um, somewhere along there, you're going to stop and buy fuel. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't know if people always understand, but you get paid by the mile. Um, the place I worked at would give you a little bit for loading and unloading a little bit more if you tarped. Um, but I mean, even with the biggest, heaviest tarps, you would get $50 for the whole time you were there. Well, let's that. talk about that a little bit. Cause I think that is something that people don't really understand. So, I know from, you know, previous conversations with you, you, you're driving, like you said, when the truck's rolling, you're making, you're getting paid, Yeah, but you get pulled over by the highway patrol and they have a special unit for trucks, right? Most yeah. states have yeah, yeah, yeah. special vehicle inspections. Yeah. yeah that, DOT cops. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll pull you over. Um, that cuts into your time. Yeah. You, you're not getting paid for that. Loading and unloading, not getting paid for that. Yeah. Or, or you're, or you're getting paid a, a minimal. Yeah. 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 Uh, breakdowns a lot of time that's uh, where I worked at they would uh, they'd get you a hotel room they paid for that for you um, let's say you broke down on a Monday afternoon and they had you rolling again Tuesday afternoon you wouldn't get any breakdown pay mm -hmm. now if they if you had to have one full 24 hour day from midnight to midnight calendar day that you were setting still before you get any breakdown pay Okay. so you're like uh, you know you just about hope if they called you up Tuesday afternoon they just wait and call you up Wednesday morning by then, you're not going to get anywhere Tuesday evening anyway, you know. Yeah. But now they call you, and then so you, you wouldn't even get the pay for sitting around all day. Mm -hmm. um, that happened a lot. But you, you stop and get fuel. You know, that's going to take 30 minutes to stop over, get into the truck stop, get your fuel put on. And that's just if you get fuel, use the restroom, grab a coffee, and, and get going. That's almost a minimum um, of 30 minutes, you know, you're washing your windshield in, you're doing all this stuff and, and you're not compensated for any of that either, you know, and that's still time out of your day. Um, and so 
you're doing this. And then where I worked at, we would make multiple stops along the way. So you're trying to get to these places to make your deliveries and, um, you get to one, you make a delivery, and you get everything tied back down. You get moving to the next one. Well, you're going to places that operate with regular business hours. So say you get to your first one at, oh, around noon that day, and there's a chance they're at lunch. They're not going to unload you to one anyway. Yeah. And then you go, and you get that going, and you got two hours to the next stop, so you make that just fine. And then the next one's only 30 minutes away, but they won't take any deliveries after 3.30. And so you're not going to be there in time. So right away, your day is over with at that point in time. Um, and so, you know, there you go. Now, now you're done making money for the day. Um, and then, But, you know, that would be it. So you would work your way to get the truck unloaded. Then once you were done with that, you would have what we always called them backhauls. Um, you would pick something up. And so you would go somewhere else and get loaded. Um, some places take appointments. And it seemed every time you had a place with an appointment would be when you would hit three traffic jams and a weather delay. And you'd end up late. You'd end up late. And then once you're late, you're really at their mercy. Um, if uh, if they don't, they have first come, first serve. And it seems so many of those places, well, everybody's lined up, you know, or, or you get there right after three other trucks just got there and you're all the way down on the list. So it's, you got to wait for those trucks to get unloaded. Again, you're not making money. Yeah. You're just waiting you, you, to get to a dock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or to get to where they, because it was flatbed, so we didn't have to really so much worry about docks, but you had to get to a loading spot. Yeah. And so they could come in and load you. Then once they have everything on you, um, then you would have to, uh, you know, tie it down, tarp it if necessary, and try to get going again. Um, you know, but th- then you would run into these things where um, they try to overload you. You know, it, that didn't happen too much. Like if you're hauling steel, steel sold by the pound, they pretty much knew how much they were putting on you. But I hauled a lot of lumber, a lumber sold by the board foot. Uh-huh. Um, they don't care what it weighs. Well, anybody's ever cut down a tree, you know, it, it, two trees have different moisture contents. In them. Uh-huh. Now, I know they put them in kilns and try to try to bake some of the moisture out, but they'd never have any idea what it was. And they wanted so many board feet on that truck. And wet, wet wood weighs a ton more than dry wood. Dry wood. Yeah. 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 And, um, they wouldn't really, you know, they, they treat when the stuff's treated too, they put other, other stuff in there and it makes it heavier. Um, and they do all that and well, Hey, I'm too heavy. Well, how do you know you haven't even weighed yet? Well, cause I know my truck you have gauges in there. that will give you an idea like air pressure and stuff. Um, and so, you know, they didn't want to take your word for it. Um, so, so you're always arguing with them about being overloaded. Now, you can haul that, but you're responsible for any overweight tickets you get along the way. Well, talk about this a little bit because we were talking a little bit before the show about this. And I, I want there's a couple of things you've talked about. I want people to understand. But if you're heavy, mm-hmm. if your load's heavy because somebody else loaded too much and it's wet lumber and it weighs more than they thought it would weigh and you get pulled over, you pay that ticket as the trucker. Yes. Yes. And those aren't cheap fines, are they? No, no, no. Um, The overload is not as bad as maybe some other things, but no, they're not. And if you're overloaded by too much, they will park you right there and wait for you'll have to, you know, they'll have to hire somebody to come out, unload your truck, get the weight right. Um, What, what happened to me a lot was, and then that's, that's the thing that was real frustrating. If, if a place was shipping stuff like that, they didn't all have scales. Some of them did where you could weigh, and some places were great. They'd say, hey, we got you on. Let's go see if your weight's good. If it's good, um, tie it down, tarp it, and then uh, 
come on in and we'll give you your bills and get you on your way. But some places just wouldn't have that. Um, probably the worst thing that ever happened to me, I was clear up in Vermont. I had to drive. I got loaded up. And, and actually, my gauges weren't off. I, I thought I might be okay, but I, I was coming from there clear down to, like, say, Springfield, Missouri. It's a long ways to go to be overweight. So I drove on over into New Hampshire. I mean, on this, I mean, like a goat trail. I mean, it was winding. Trucks were allowed on it, but they shouldn't have been. I mean, and it was up and down these steep mountains up in the in, the, in that part of the world. Um, pull into the truck stop. And it, by this time, it was the last truck out of there that day. Go in and weigh. And I'm like almost 3,000 pounds overweight. So there's no way I was going to drive from there all the way to Missouri. You know, if I only had to go 200 more miles, I'd have figured out a way to do it. But I wasn't going to back road it, you know, to go around all these scales. So you end up, uh, which, which this happens all the time. I mean, truck drivers do all kinds of stuff they're not supposed to do because they're trying to get done. They're trying to get paid. They're trying to go home. Um, so I ended up driving all the way back up on these terrible roads again to have them take off like two or three bundles of lumber. You know, in the meantime, you got to do all this labor. You got to untarp the whole load, yeah. you know, and, and, and do all this. And then turn around and come back to the same place to weigh it again. Um, and that was, uh, you know, okay, now I'm legal. Now I can go. Um, so, I mean, you think about that. That was from like probably 5 o'clock that evening. Place didn't open up again till like 8. Um, I got there right after they opened. But by the time we did all that, you know, and I'm back to where I'd been to the night before. We're talking like 10 or 11 in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I've wasted like 18 hours just because they put too much weight on your truck. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can't even remember now if they paid me for backtracking or not, but they sure didn't give me another pickup fee, another drop fee. I mean, none of that. It was just, yeah, yeah you got overloaded. Um, I mean, and your choice kind of, in that situation was do that or risk getting a series of tickets through multiple states as you make your way back. As you make your way back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was exactly your, your two options. And, um, you know, and I like to say, dude, there's plenty of times I've done it and everybody else I know has done it. You know, you're a little overweight. You, you look at, you get out the map, you see where the, the, the way stations are and you hop on some other lesser highway and, and get around it. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Um, and it probably shouldn't, but a lot of that I really think should fall on the shippers to make sure they have scales there to weigh the trucks so they know how much they're putting on you. Um, so, you, you know, but I mean, that would be, it, it, it was little things like that. Or you'd pull up to a place, um, and some places do have detention pay. If you have a two o'clock appointment and they don't get you, but it's normally ridiculous. If they don't start loading you until three, eh, that's okay. You know, they got a two or three hour window there before they even have to start thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's when they start loading you and then it might take them forever to still get you loaded. Um, so, you know, if they start loading you within that window, then they're free and clear and they don't have to pay you the detention pay. Um, and the detention pay would go to the company and the company would only give you a part of it anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah. they keep a yeah. little part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's, like I said, there's a couple of things I want to touch back on. Talk to me about hours. I, we, I think generally people kind of have a concept like truck trucks can only be on the road so many hours a day, but kind of explain that formula to everyone. How, how many hours you can be on a road, how many days in a row you can be, and and what your limits are well you, you work on like a, a 70 hour seven day cycle that's how m most guys run it so within those seven days you got 70 hours total and a maximum of 14 a day and that 14 a day you can be driving for 11 but another thing they threw at us here a little while ago was uh um eight hour um 
before you could, you could only drive eight hours without taking, or only be on duty for eight hours before you took a break. So here in the middle of the day, you're making good time here. Hey, you're coming up on Nashville, but it's two in the afternoon. Oh no, man, you don't got enough time. So then you got to stop and take your break. Well, that gets over with. It's two thirty, and then the rush hours hit. You know, I mean, or, or you're coming up too, but you realize you got to stop. By the time you get it over with and you get going, you're you're caught in rush hour, and you're, you're going to lose a bunch of time that way. And like I say, when it comes down to they, there's no way to, like I say, back in the day, if they gave you an eight hour break, there's a reason they called log books funny books. Guys would keep three or four of them at a time to make them all look good, or they'd have pages they'd tear out like a loose leaf binder and just get rid of them. So they'd always be fixing their books to make it look good. Um, and nobody can do that anymore. So if you needed to get through Nashville, which was always a problem for me at a decent time of the day, in the middle of the day, man, then this break would come up and then now you're just stuck trying to get through rush hour traffic and then you're stuck. You, you can't get moving again. Yeah. Um, and there's no flexibility in this, right? Like you talk about the log books, the electronic log books. Um, you could be, a half an hour from home or half an hour from your stop, uh, you gotta, you gotta stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and see like, you know, where I worked at, they would be like, you know, if you're, if you're that close to home and you've been out, you, you roll on over, but you would get a, a nasty gram every month saying, Hey, you had these log violations and that way they're covering them. They've, they've instructed you on it, told you not to do it, but they'll keep doing that month after month after month. So, you know, like say you were at Topeka and you wanted to head on back and get to Salina, which is where I lived at back when I did that. Um, it, you could do it, but if, if, if you got pulled over or inspected in between there, you would be in trouble yeah. uh, for sure. Otherwise you just get a, like a, like a check mark by your name when you used to get in trouble in school, you know, that's about all they do to you. Um, but you know, you you better not try to come all the way in from like St. Louis when you're about out of time, if you really want to get home. So yes, they are pretty hard and fast. I mean, there's a little bit of leeway, but you can't, uh, and it's one thing if, if you're getting home, the company will probably say, okay, but the company's going to want to know why are you going all this extra time just to get somewhere else? You know, they're not really going to allow that. They yeah. give you a little bit of leeway just for getting home. Um, but it, uh, yeah, not, not very flexible though. I and mean, there's just no way to, no way to fix it anymore. You, you mentioned, you mentioned parking as yeah. being an issue. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, there's not near enough truck stops for the amount of trucks out on the road. And it used to be a little better before we had this rigid, basically everybody's working on a 24 hour clock now. So you start out the day and everybody's getting done at the same time. Um, so we, we used to joke and call them solar powered trucks because they wouldn't run at night. You yeah. know, and a lot of these big fleets were doing these e-logs e before a lot of other places were. So you, you, if you don't shut down by five, six, seven o'clock at night, there's a good chance you're not going to find a, a parking spot at a truck stop. Now the rest areas normally take a little bit longer to fill up, um, but they still fill up pretty early nowadays. And so then once you get past that, where then you start you're looking for a parking lot, a lot of places will come get you towed out of there in the middle of the night. If yeah. you try to just park in a parking lot where they don't want you at. So, um, so you get caught in a loop yeah. where you make sure I understand this because of some of the rules we have in place, mm -hmm. everybody's running on the same schedule. So everybody's yes. in and up looking for a parking spot at the same time. Yes. 
if you don't find that parking spot because everything's filled up. So truck stops, your first option, a rest area. And this is why on the interstate, there's the rest area sign with the lit up number of parking spots. Yeah. It was a total waste, a total waste of money though. (laughs) I mean, why didn't they take that money and pay more parking spots? Yeah. Um, Plus there's apps now that will give you an idea of how full or empty a truck stop is. So I, that was 10 years too late and whatever money they spent on that was just could, it, could have built three more parking spots. And yeah. 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 And, and they could have done that at every one of these truck stops they monitor and it would have helped a little bit. But it would have helped enough. The other thing I hear out of that though, is because of that, there's limited parking, you can't find it and you're out of time, but you're actually looking for a parking spot. So you're still driving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're trying, well, okay, hopefully the next place, hopefully the next place, you know, um, you know, like I said, by the time I was done being over the road, I, I wouldn't care. I'd be like six o'clock. I'm pulling in. I mean, I could have drove three or four more hours. A lot of those days. I'm like, I'm not chancing it. I'm just taking that stress out of my life. Well, that really cuts into your pay, cuts into your home time. I mean, it's a bad attitude, but that's one of the reasons I got out of it. My attitude had gotten real bad about it. Um, you just really felt like your hands were tied. Um, and, uh, you know, and then that's one of the other things too, you know, yes, you want to try to get to a truck stop generally, um, you know, so you can get up and have that coffee and have a restroom use, maybe get a shower, maybe get something else to eat. That's not something that's, you know, um, that you microwave in your truck. Um, but then truck stops are, are, I mean, they're bad places. They're dirty. I mean, you know, like I said, I was peeing in a jug. A lot of guys just get out and pee on the parking lot. I mean, that smells real nice in the middle of July. (laughs) Let me tell you, um, they're bad that way. Um, they, they gouge you so bad on the prices the the one chain in particular the pilot i'll call them out because they're terrible um they sell some of the cheapest fuel to all these big fleets in the country cheap i mean about as cheap as they can sell it and their whole business model is they expect to make all that back up by gouging the truckers that come in there so here you are, you, you, you're captive. I mean, your company, my company basically dictated that we, we had to buy from them because the fuel was so much cheaper. Okay. That that's fine. But when you buy fuel, then you get a free shower. Otherwise you're paying $15 to take a shower. Um, so that's the other thing you'd like to try to find a pilot pilot and flying J are the same company. You'd like to find one of those. So that night you can go in and get your free shower. Well, everybody else on the planet's filling up at these truck stops too, because they got the cheapest fuel. So, if you one, it makes it really congested to get into the place. Um, so if you do get in there, then you're, yeah, you'll get your shower for free, but if you got to buy anything else in there, it's just, you know, it's marked up almost double what you'd pay at a grocery store. And it's, you know, at least 50 cents higher what you paid at any other convenience store. Um, and that's out of your pocket. That's out of your pocket. Everything out there is out of your pocket. So, you know, if it has to do with anything with the truck, the company will take care of it. But once it goes on beyond that, it's, it's all out of your pocket. So we're saving the company money by buying fuel there. But when you want to stop there, then you're you're subsidizing what the company's saving. I remember when you were doing that, you, it was a big, before you left for the week, this was this whole deal of you packing food and meals and snacks and everything. I mean, it was like, you were hauling a lot. You had a, you had a refrigerator in your truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this, you know, that's the thing. And I guess I should clarify here right now. Um, There's a lot of things that I liked about trucking, especially when I first started doing it. And it's not, you know, I'm kind of complaining about all this 
first world problems here. Okay. Watch some of these documentaries about what these guys in these third world countries got to do to drive a truck. And we had it really easy. So I, I need to make that clear, you know, and then you get in your truck and, and you, you have a bed back there. Um, you got heat and cooling. Um, you have a refrigerator. Um, you can bring a microwave, um, you can TV, put a PlayStation in there, you know, whatever you have a little stuff there for when you're stuck, but you are living in this tiny micro apartment without any running water. Yeah is you know that that's the trade-off um so so yeah i would pack all that stuff up and then uh you know and for one to try to save money um but you know after there's only you know three days of eating cold cut sandwiches man you're ready to sit down and eat a meal yeah and whereas the meal would cost you 10 12 bucks at a regular restaurant in town you can't get to that regular restaurant in town because you got this big giant truck that yeah. stay at the truck stop so you're paying 15 16 bucks for the meal yeah, because you're stuck. Because you're stuck. And I think that's one of the things that people don't understand. Yes, and I will admit, I enjoyed, especially when I was new and I was going all over the whole country. I mean, I've made it to all 48 states. I've been to all of the southern provinces of Canada except Quebec. I've seen a lot of stuff I never would have seen if I hadn't done it. But at the same time, I only saw what I saw out of the windshield. Yeah. Okay, I drove by the Little Bighorn Monument up there in Montana couple hundred times probably see see the building up on the hill i didn't get to go check it out you yeah. know i drove right by uh, appomattox courthouse um where they ended the civil war at saw it as i'm driving by yeah you know i mean so you you get to see these things but just just out of the window and then and then you're gone you know it's like you get to stop and check it out but i mean normally you wouldn't have time to do that anyway yeah so yes i i've seen a lot of stuff but i don't really feel like i've really been anywhere yeah and um so, you know, that, that that's, I think people think that, ah, you get to travel and see stuff. Yeah. And that, that was fun. I did enjoy it. Um, but after a little bit, once you've been down most of these roads, there's, there's nothing else to see. It's just after a while, it feels like every interstate exit has a McDonald's and a Starbucks and a gas station. And it's the same, whether you're in Virginia or Washington or Kansas or wherever, it just, it all gets to seem the same. It looks the same. You kind of get that blindness to it. It just looks like yeah. one place looks just like another. Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking a little bit earlier, I'll come back to some of these issues, but something that you said earlier, I want to make sure we talk about, you had said that you, you have a job now where you have lower pay, uh, the benefits aren't as good as some of your previous jobs, uh, and you're physically working harder. In the elements a lot more too. And you're out in the elements a lot more, and it's still a better job than over the road trucking. Yes. Talk about that. What I mean... You, well, because you're doing local routes. Yeah, now, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I go into work every day. I live a mile away from where I work. I go in every day at seven. I rarely, if ever, work later than five o'clock. Um, and it's just, I'm home though. I, I get to see my wife. I get to see my, well, two of my kids. One doesn't live with me anymore, but I get to see them every day. I um, get to uh, um, see my animals. I, you know, I, I, mean, I got off today before I came down here, man. I was able, because I got cold today working out in this stupid rain. Um, man, I sat there in front of my little space heater and warmed up before I came down here, you know? I mean, in the truck, you'd be sitting there trying to blow the heat on you and wrapping up. And then you're like, oh, I got to go into the truck stop and get some. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's just so much better. You know, back then, if I wanted to watch any sports, I was trying to watch it on my little bitty phone. Yeah. You know, um, you know, now I watch it on my TV, you know? 
when we get done here, I'm going to go watch some more World Series. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just so. Well, and I remember too during that time, like we'd we'd try to schedule things to get together. Yeah. We'd watch football games, or you yeah. know, have dinner, or get our families together, or whatever. And sometimes, you know, it would be like, well, I'm going to be on the road that week, and we'd be we'd be looking like three weeks out to try yeah. to plan anything. And then sometimes we'd have something planned, and something would happen, you'd end up being on the road a day or two longer than you expected because you ran out of time or somebody wouldn't pick, you know, unload you or whatever. Yeah. It really makes it hard to have like any kind of, I guess, normal life. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's real hard to do that. And you know, the other thing was, and you know, and this is, and I don't know a whole lot about this. I was a truck driver, but I do know you, you have dispatchers, you know, and people, I guess we should clarify dispatchers normally work for the company you work for. They, they'll assign you loads outbound. They will find you the loads for your backhauls to get you back. Um, then there's also people called freight brokers. And what they do is they're a middleman between companies that need something shipped and a trucking company that was looking for a load to haul. Um, so, uh, but the dispatchers would sit there and they would want to know, you know, what time you're going to be empty um, with, you know, and that's real hard to figure out too, when you got eight or 10 stops and you're just trying to spitball a number at them. And if you overshot it and you see, you know, you said Thursday morning and you got done noon on Wednesday, you're not going to have anything to pick up till probably Thursday afternoon that, you know, so you're stuck setting. If you cut it too short, then they've made an appointment for you or expecting something. And then they're, then, then you're in trouble because you didn't get it done on time. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I just added a ton of stress, um, to trying to figure that out. Um, and then and, and this is one thing, and it, 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 it's still, I never got used to it, but you would never know. You know that you were going to end up with eight stops, and your last stop was going to be, say, in far eastern North Carolina. You had no idea where you were going to next, and they wouldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> part of that is, you know, their job is to try to get the best paying freight to come back in. And they, they look on these boards, on these spot market boards, and it will say, you know, there's a load there, and we could take it, but let's wait another day and see if the price goes up. Cause these brokers start panicking. The longer it goes, they start raising the price raising. So it's their job to try to get the best deal, but they'd keep waiting. So my wife would be like, well, when are you going to be home? I have no idea. Yeah. You just didn't know. Now there'd be certain part of the country. You'd have a decent idea of where you'd be going. But as soon as you thought you had that figured out now, you'd be wrong and you'd be doing something totally different. So, you know, to, to try to balance your home life, you would ask for say, I need this weekend off. Okay, fine. They would make sure you got it. They were good about that. The downside of it was, though, you know, you'd be leaving Monday. You need to be back in Friday afternoon. Well, they would send you on a load that would only keep you out till like Wednesday. Yeah. So you'd either have to burn another vacation day or two extra vacation days, and you wouldn't make any money that week. Yeah. Now, it got you home, but you were making a big sacrifice to do it, you know, financially on that end of it. Um, so it just it really got to the point. It felt like there's just a no-win situation here because if you, if you push it and push it and push it, then you get too far ahead and you're stuck waiting anyway. If you don't push it and you slack off a little bit and something else comes up and then you're way behind and you're just, you're stuck, you know, and, and you'll get to these, uh, and this is another fun thing that you're so many times you're going to places you've never been before and you'll pull in and there you pull up and then some guy working there comes out yelling at you. Hey, you dumb trucker. Why are you up here? You didn't you read the sign back there? 
No. I mean, I, I didn't see a sign. Well, it's there. And, you know, they'd be chewing on you and telling you where to go and do this and do that. And then, so, you know, you drive out and you look back. Well, no wonder you didn't see the sign. It's overgrown with vines. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, that would happen a lot. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's just all this, you know, and, and nobody wants, you know, there needs to be more truck stops. I mean, that that would help a lot with the quality of life out on the road. There's still going to be a lot of other problems. But, um, but you know, towns don't want truck stops in it. You know, I mean, I, McPherson, where I live, had, they didn't want truck stops. They finally let a loves move in. And their reasoning was, well, we don't want the, the prostitution and the drugs and this and that. I would wager, now they've had that loves there four or five years now. I would wager we probably have the same amount of prostitutes and drugs in McPherson as we did before the truck stop came in. Um, but they, you know, that, that was just always a stereotype going on with it. And, you know, truthfully, most of these truckers are so tired by the time they get done, they pull the curtains and they go to sleep. Yeah. Um, you they're know, not, they're, just, not, they're yeah. not out raising hell after no. spending a whole day on the road. No, no, no. And I mean, you know, I'm sure you go just about any place where trucks park. And if you want something bad enough, you'll be able to find it. Um, but at the same time, you... Uh, um, it, it, it's not as widespread. It's not any worse than going to a to to the bad part of town, anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's actually a lot better than that. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you can still find stuff. So, so Taka, as you're talking, I'm thinking like what I'm hearing is uh, there's a lot of stress in this work. Yes, and and I know that it's like physically, it's not good for your health, right? No, no, it's, you've it, had it, some it's bad terrible. trucks with bad seats and you're in them all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You're in them all day long. And then, you know, what do you do? I mean, you're, you're driving that long at a time. It's really easy to grab another can of soda, another bag of chips, light up another cigarette. Um, you know, you're just killing time because you're just, you're driving down the highway yeah. and it, you know, and that's the other thing too. I think that people don't understand is, um, the easiest part about truck driving is driving down the open highway. If you, if you didn't have to worry about weather and you could drive Kansas city to Denver back and forth again, it would be so easy. You'd probably die of boredom, but it, that, that, that's easy to do. Um, and, uh, but what they're paying you for is to hit all these deadlines to maneuver these trucks into places that have no business having a truck in them. You know, I, and I've been to some places where I, I could, I could spend six hours telling you about places that I've had to take a truck into that you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> You know, and then, then, then they put even other stress on it. Like the place where I worked at, they had what they called out of route. They wanted you to keep your out of route miles down to a certain percentage. Um, now, what does that mean? Okay, so say it should be a thousand miles, you know, from from one from this first stop to your last stop. Okay, um, they don't want you. They wanted you under four percent out of route. So that means you have forty miles to play with. Um, that means that includes when you're pulling off the road, going to truck stops, doing that. It might include that you look at the map and the way they got you routed is going through a really bad road and you want to stay on the interstate to get over to this town. Um, I, when I first started, I, I followed that stuff religiously. I wanted to keep that knocked down. Um, by the time I finished, I didn't care if I drove 200 miles out of route, if it was going to be an easier drive. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, but after a while you're like, well, no, this, this way they're telling me to go is a really bad way. I've done that once before. I'm not doing it again. Um, so, you know, and then 
you know, and then basically, you know, they'd accumulate that over a month or a year, you know, so you could get away with that sometimes. By the time I was done, I just didn't care. I'm like, I'm not driving down that horse trail in Kentucky. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> blind corners and you don't have enough room to keep the truck on it. Even if you take up all lanes and the shoulder, um, you know, it's, it, it is really bad. And of course, they're yeah. using the technology to try to map the shortest route, right? And they, they were pretty good about what they call practical miles, okay. but some of those roads is just not practical anyway. You know, there are things where you can set them up to go the shortest route and you would be on every back lane road possible. Um, they didn't do that to us so much, but there'd still be times they'd say, hey, you know, the computer says it's saving 50 miles by cutting through this. Well, it's in the Appalachian Mountains. I mean, the first time you, you the first time you cut through like, well, US 50, we think of it out here as this nice wide open highway. Well, back in West Virginia, it's like a they set a snake loose and followed it. <laughs> I mean, it is curvy and up and down and round and round. I mean, it's just, you're so tired by the time you get through all that, you know, and it's, it'd be a great ride, you know, in a sports car or a motorcycle, but it's a terrible thing when you're hauling freight through there. Yeah. Yeah. So the technology thing, you mentioned that uh, previously too, that we could be using technology to kind of reward drivers or change the pay structure or something but in your view it's pretty heavy-handed right now with the technology and it's it's that hammer is coming down on on the truck drivers yeah 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 because you have to you know they're using that to keep track of your hours to see where you're at to do all that stuff um but then they'll turn around and but they could turn around and use this to say look the, the truck's in motion, you know, it, it's going, it's moving, he's driving. Start his hourly pay. You know, you could, they could start paying you as soon as you hit the pre-trip button to do your inspection in the morning. Um, you could, you know, show that they could see that you're at a truck stop. Okay, he's getting fuel. You'd be, be getting paid then. You know, I, I think it'd be really easy to set up a system where once you got to a shipper, you could check in with them. It would verify that you're actually there to get the load. And then, you know, you could, you could be getting paid then instead of getting one small flat fee that, you know, hey, it might be, if they can load you up in 10 minutes, it might be worth the 15 bucks they're giving you to pick up that load. Um, but you're not going to be there that short. You know, you should be getting paid, you know, hourly the whole way through. I mean, also, truckers are exempt from any kind of overtime rules. So anybody else that works 40 hours, once you work over that, you start getting overtime. Not when you're a truck driver. Yeah. You get you get the same pay, whether it's, you know, the first hour of your week or the 70th hour of your week. Yeah. And you, uh, like you said earlier, you're based on a 70 hour week. You're, you're based on the 70 hour week. And then not only that, um, you know, truckers don't, uh, truckers can't go on strike. It's illegal for truck drivers to strike. Okay. So you cannot, um, you, you, they have no collective bargaining. Plus I don't think you get, you can't get, if you have three truckers in a room, there's going to be one that disagrees with anything. I mean, so, so I don't think you'd ever pull them all together to, to get that to work anyway. But I mean, so you have no collective bargaining power. You have, um, you know, you're exempt from overtime rules. I mean, that's just. You're it, responsible for your own fines. You, you, you're responsible for your own fines. Um, you, uh, you know, you got to pay these exorbitant prices at truck stops um, that you're worried if you can even get into one. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just, you know, it, it, it really is a, uh, it, it's thing that's really stacked against it. You know, and, and like I said, that all being said too, that the actual pay at the end of the day, it was a good pay, but it's not worth everything you had to do to get it. So 
Part of the reason you're here today yeah. talking about this is because of an article you sent me from the Washington Post yeah. in a text with a link to this story. And your message was just about everything in this article is wrong. Yeah. So I, I want I want to have you kind of go through some of those things. And it, the, the, it's an opinion piece and it's called the trucking industry is in crisis. Here's how government can help. And it kind of goes through these things. Um, but I want to I want to talk about this and I want to talk about, you know, this talks about uh, trying to recruit younger drivers, uh, trying to recruit a, a broader mix of people into truck driving, uh, some concerns with people aging out, wanting to get out of the industry and kind of how that's playing into some of the supply chain issues. But um, I want to I want to hear you talk about this article and uh, some of the things that you think could be done to make trucking a more attractive career for people or, or something that would have maybe kept you in it. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the very first thing I saw is the two guys that, that he talked to when he wrote this article, he talked to the president of the American trucking association, which they represent the big trucking companies. They, they have the only thing the American Trucking Association cares about is profits for their members, um, nothing else. So he should never have talked to that guy. Um, then he talked to the guy that was president of another company um, still. And, and that guy did work his way up, it said in the article, but he still isn't really in touch with what's going on. Um, then they talked about you have to be at least 21 to drive from state to state. Um, and they're talking about lowering that to 18. Lowering right? that to 18. Um I mean, how responsible were you at the age of 18? I know you were. You, you, okay. you know exactly okay. how responsible okay. I was at 18. <laughs> Me too, right? Okay. Neither one of us would have had any business doing that at 18. Probably, you know, most companies like to wait till you're about 23 because their insurance rates go down. And really, that's probably a pretty good age for it. I Pro trained, probably worth noting that you can't rent a car generally until you're 25. Or sure, sure. You're 25. Yeah, 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 and your insurance rates go down when you turn 25. Yeah. You know, so, so, so there's reasons why we have all this. I trained a kid one time that was 21. A great kid. I had a blast with him, okay? But <laughs> trying to rein him in, he, I finally got mad at him and he had to yell at him that we were basically pulling a, a warehouse on wheels. We're not in his four by four pickup truck. Okay. Cause he just drove that thing like he stole it. Yeah. And we were coming up onto winter weather and he didn't want to slow down. And I'm like, no, no, we slowed down. Well, but there's guys passing us. So I was like, those are the guys we're going to see up here in the ditch in 10 miles, you know, see how all these other trucks are in this line here. Well, I just want to get going. Well, he didn't have the judgment yet to realize that, yeah, that's going to take you longer. You know, and see, that's another problem of being paid by the mile. You got to drive through bad weather. It's 10 times more stressful. It's really hard on you. By the time you get done driving on roads that might be slick, you're so tense. You, it's even hard to get to sleep. Um, but you're still getting paid by the mile. So your pay is like in half. Your pay is like cut in half and it's twice as much work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but I mean, so I, I don't, but I do not think that getting kids that young into it's good. Um, one of the other things I said, I mean, the point he made in here that um, I do really, uh, you know, when he said infrastructure will help with driver recruitment and retention, if we improve our highways, make everything work better. Yes, that, that would help. I'm all in favor of that. I don't think that's going to be the golden ticket though for driver retention. Um, there's, cause there's too many other issues besides bad highways. Um, but the one point he did make, um, 
you know, they talked about bringing the National Guard in to help move some of the stuff around. Um, he doesn't think that's practical because he says right here, I'll quote it, driving large trucks and unloading shipping containers safely and efficiently are skills that require training. And that's it. Um, part of the problem with truck driving is that they'll send you to like a, a two-week truck driving school. Um, I didn't get my CDL that way. I, I hired on at the beer company. Um and got my CDL that way, and then I then I moved on into it. Um, but I, I I was basically self taught with that. Um, it takes a long, long time to really know what you're doing. I mean, I look back now, I'm surprised those first couple of years I drove, I didn't kill myself or somebody else. And by that point in time, I was over 30 years old. Um, you know, but I I don't know if if two weeks of training would have done it. The problem is, it's one of these jobs you almost got to apprentice with it somehow. And I don't see how any company is going to think that's practical to have two trucks going every place they go, but that would be the best way to do it. You could get the, the newbie up in front and actually have them drive and then you have the other guy going and, and you could work with them that way. Um, you know, when I train these guys and you were from one to two weeks in my truck, um, even some of the best people I had, I was ready to throw them out of my truck. By the time you were back, you're in too small of a place with each other for too long. Um, so I don't really know what the answer is on that, but I, do know that hiring 18 year olds and giving them a couple weeks experience and sending them out is, is not a good answer. Yeah. And, and we don't, it's kind of a weird thing because it, you know, everybody talks about like on the job training, but, uh, that's, that's one thing when you're working in a warehouse or when you're working in a machine shop or something like that, but you talking about the, the warehouse on wheels, I mean, that's, that's a big vehicle with a lot of weight and a lot of force, yeah, uh, that somebody's learning how to how to navigate that down a road. Yeah, yeah, and like I say, you know, going down the highway, you can pick that up pretty quick. But you know, you get into this, get into these little bitty towns, um, and you got to make these these hard, sharp corners. Um, it's just, you know, it, I mean, there's times even even by the time I was done, I was pretty confident and had quite a bit of experience. So you'd still just, you're like, wow, how how am I going to get through here? You know. Um, and, and that happens, that, that happens a lot. And I don't know how you do that. Plus you take the impatience of being young and, and you're just like, Hey, let's, let's go. And then they end up knocking stuff over and ripping things apart and everything else to it. You know, they, they don't really understand the gravity of what you're dealing with. I mean, that, when you're fully loaded, that's 80,000 pounds that you've got to figure out how to get stopped. Um, and so it's, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot there it really is. We mentioned earlier the the DOT police, mm-hmm. and I I went on a run with you one time years ago, yeah, because uh, I wanted to see what this was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> and I got to see it, and we got pulled over by DOT police, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't get pulled over. We remember we stopped at the rest area there west of Salina, uh huh, and oh, so you volunteered for an inspection? Now, you, oh, that's right, that's right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm mad because I just needed to, I wanted to just pee and get going down the road, but you're all ecstatic. Well, I get to interview this cop about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But at that moment when they're, I remember that. Yeah. I was asking him a bunch of questions because at the yeah. time I was going to write a story about, you know, drinking yeah. and some of these things. But at that moment, I mean, they, you're completely subject to that, right? There, you. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're going, where you've been, what your time schedule is. And they, I remember that guy looked your truck up and down, and yeah. and you said at the time, 
if if they look hard enough, they will find a violation. Yes, right? yes, they can. You could probably have a brand new truck and trailer and pull it off a lot, and there is probably something that is not up to spec. Now, generally, my experience with the DOT cops has been just be polite, be friendly. They'll catch you some slack if they if, if you know they're not going to let you go with something terrible. But if it's something little, a lot of times I'll be like, hey, just. You got to lie it out. Go up there and fix it, and I'll forget I saw it. Okay. That'll happen a lot. But a lot of guys will get attitudes with these cops right because they're stressed too, on top of them yeah. trying to move stuff. And the cops costing them time, and so they just throw attitude, and then boy, they'll get out the manual and they'll go through everything they can find to get you on. And that's the so, DOT manual, yeah. which is about. How, how many pages do you think? Oh, oh. Or should we measure this in inches? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's it, it can be real thick. It's it, 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 it's a, I don't know if it's that big, but you know, I had one time I had a guy tell me that, well, this and this, and it's in your DOT book. Well, I'm like, I don't have time to read a 500 page book, you know? I mean, it's, you, yes, it's in there. And it, it, but of course, it's all wrote in, in legal mumbo jumbo. And they don't really set up anything practical to, to help these guys, you know, to figure this stuff out. Um, you know, and then another thing that's really frustrating is these laws can vary some state by state. We were just talking about that the other day. You know, you're, you're allowed so much weight on each set of axles. Okay. But like in Kansas, for instance, on your stair axles, your front two that you stair with, you can have up to 20,000 pounds on that. But you go to some other states and it's only 12,000 pounds. You go to some other states and it depends on the rating of your tire and the size of it. How much weight you can carry on there. Now, there, there's a reason they're really strict on that because if you lose a stair tire, that's about the worst thing that can happen yeah. to you because it can cause wrecks. It does and can and will cause a lot of wrecks. Um, but it's like, can we just have one uniform standard all the way around the country on this? No, they won't do that. So it's different you know, state to state. D different state to state. Yes, you know, and the speed limits are different all the time. Um, you know, from state to state. You know, I used to uh, used to hate going into Indiana. It was a seventy for cars. 65 for trucks. The problem is, is that Indiana is one of these states where in order to do an inspection, you have to be doing something else wrong. Most states, and it's really better if they can just pull you over to do an inspection. Because what happens is in Indiana, they'll pull you over for going 67 in a 65. Well, yeah, you really weren't speeding. I was worried. I just want to do an inspection. But he has to write down that you were speeding. Well, that goes against your score. As a driver, you, you have this thing called a CSA score that rates how good or bad of a driver you are. So you could get pulled over. And he said, I'm just giving you a warning for speeding. But no, that's actually counting against you. And like in the company I worked for, that was the same as getting a ticket. Now, you didn't have to pay the money for the ticket, but you were in trouble. They would, my, our trucks were governed at 72. They would shut you all the way down to 68 for three months. So not only did that thing cost you if you got a ticket or not, then you had to pay that, but it also cost you a lot of productivity because you couldn't drive your truck as fast. So other, other things that you think might be worth doing. I mean, we, we, you talked about, there's a, there's a lot that we could go and we talked about logs. We talked about tickets, weight limits, um, pickup times. You mentioned something about emissions yeah. uh, before about trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, they put all these things in there and, and I mean, something probably does need to be done with it. Right. But in my experience, almost all the times that I broke down was because something in these emission control systems was, was breaking down. I just don't think the technology, I think it does its job at stopping the emissions, but it's not reliable enough yet. Uh, I was talking to a mechanic today, and he would guess somewhere probably 40 to 80% of all the breakdowns are caused by 
these emission systems. Um, so, I mean, that's just another thing. It just kills productivity. I mean, if your truck's in the shop and who knows how long it's going to be there, um, then, and it's almost always because of these emission systems. Not only that, the emission systems, they cost some of your fuel economy. Um, they, you know, they're expensive. I mean, they're, they're, there's just a lot of things. You got to buy that diesel exhaust fluid to put in there. That's just another cost. Now, the company pays for that, but that's just another cost there that they they have that they can pass on to the driver, you know, in, in better wages or profit for them or however you want to look at it. Um, so, you know, I, and like I say, I don't really, I sure don't want these trucks belching out black smoke, but it seems like they've, well, this is, this is hitting our emission goal, even though the engineering's not that good and the trucks are breaking down more often. And they just kind of left it that way. Um, it's, you know, that's a problem, you, you know, with that. Um, so I just don't, you know, there's just so many things that just keep piling up and make this a bad job. But, but it's all industry-wide. It, it's, you know, you could, I, I know guys that have gone from one trucking company to the next. And at the end of the day, it's the same story. Yeah. You know, and your pay doesn't really vary a whole lot. They might put you in a shinier truck, but then you're probably going to make less money because they're paying more for that fancy truck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or they give you the... Um, or they pay you more, but they put you in a junk truck that couldn't even pass inspection. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, it's just it, it's just one thing after another. And, and also at the same time, you know, I have no sympathy for the big mega fleets. You know, they're the ones that govern the trucks. They're the ones that they, these slow guys are going down the road and they're getting in your way. And, and you want to be like, why are you working for a place that, that makes you drive so slow? You know, especially on two lane highways like US 54 out here in Western Kansas, there's nowhere to pass. And you're stuck behind one of these trucks that's governed at 62 miles an hour. It's really hard in another big truck to get around them. Yeah. Especially when you can only go 72. So, so I don't have any sympathy for these great big trucking companies, but a lot of these smaller and mid-sized places, they're struggling to keep everything going too. It's not like they can just magically write out a check to pay truck drivers more. I mean, they, the money's not there because the freight prices are depressed by these big giant companies. They keep, they keep the, the, the prices down and they get the contracts on that because they they have the 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 power to do that and the volume. And you, the volume. You know, they, they make all their money off of volume instead of you know off of their off of anything else. You know they're just like, well, we'll do enough volume, we'll make money on this. So then that makes the smaller trucking companies have to try to compete at that level. At that level, and yeah. and it's harder, and they still have to meet all the same regulations and and try to be competitive and pay and things like that. Yeah, right? sure, okay. sure. Yeah, I mean, like, so you got a company with a hundred trucks, and they like when they put the. Uh, electronic log mandate in place. Okay, they had to buy a hundred e logs. Now I know that a big carrier that has you know eight thousand trucks had to buy eight thousand of them. But I promise you, you're getting each one way cheaper when you buy eight thousand than when you're buying a hundred of them. Yeah. So you know, and then it's even worse if you're a guy that just owns your own truck. I don't know how any of those guys do that. Honestly, there are guys out there that make money, but it is really tricky to be an independent truck driver and you know own your own truck and try to make a go of it. Yeah, because they're on the hook for all the all the fees, all the charges, all the upgrades, all the repairs, everything. Yes, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, you want an eye opener? Everybody gripes about how much tires cost for your car. Go look at what a pair of steer, steer tires for a semi truck will cost you. I mean, last time I really looked, it's been like two and a half years since I really looked at that. But we were like, you know, four to six hundred bucks for one for one tire for one tire. Yeah. So if you're replacing two of those, you can imagine what that is. And on those steer tires, they'll get you about oh, 125,000 miles. Yeah. And which you're, you, how many miles did you drive a year? You think about that, that, about that, about yeah. 125,000 miles yeah, or yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back up a little bit. What, 
when you first got into this and you talked about how you really liked it and, and, yeah. and everything, what initially drew you to trucking? I don't know. I mean, I, I had an uncle and a grandpa that both did it. So it's probably a little bit in my blood, but, um, it was, you know, being independent, being out on the road. And it, I mean, the first time you get up in a big old truck and you're just going down the highway, I mean, there's, it, it feels cool. I mean, there's a lot of power there. It really is a bit of a thrill, um, you know, just controlling that whole thing, you know, and that, but that wears off, you know, after a while. And, um, you know, there's that, and I did want to go out and, and see other things. And, you know, I'd been stuck in Kansas way too long. And it's real funny, though. You do it. You want to get out of Kansas. So by the time you're done, you don't ever want to leave Kansas again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, um, you know, it always be, I'd always be happy every time I cross back into the state line, no matter what part of the state I was coming back into. You know, you're just, you're ready to be home. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you knew you were home. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Talk to me about, we've touched a lot of issues here, but if you, if you had the power and somebody said, we're going to listen to Tim Smith for one day and we're going to try to implement a change that he offers that 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 might solve this problem or might make this problem better what would it be knowing that we've talked about a lot it sounds to me like there's been a lot of neglect uh in kind of addressing some of these issues for a long long time and probably I'm getting the sense that we haven't really gone and talked to people on the ground level to find out what the real problems are. Yeah. Um, so we, we've, we've let kind of industry insiders or, or high ups uh, and, and trucking corporations kind of set the policy tone on this, but we haven't done a good job of getting down to truckers. So, and asking them what's wrong and how we could make it a more appealing career. And now we're in a crisis because of it. But what would you do? What would you say, would make it better one thing or three things or five things that you think would make it better. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that, w- that would probably help, and, and, okay. LTL companies, less than truckload. So that's, um, I, any of these trucks you see going up and down the highway with like pup trailers, two trailers. I mean, well, UPS does the same thing when they're hauling their, their goods from one distribution center to another. Um, those guys, they all have hubs and they're all spread out far enough out. So generally a guy will come into work, hook up his trailers, take them off to another place, another hub that's probably four or five hours out. Um, there, you know, they'll unload and they'll turn around and come back. Okay. With another load coming back their way to get it, you know, further down the line. Um, I think that might be something that really needs to be looked at because if you could have it where guys could still be home all the time, but you still be getting the goods moved. The problem is you got so many companies competing and they're all cutthroating with each other, but you know, some degree of cooperation. So I, I think one of the best things you could do would be to set it up where, where guys are able to go out and get back and, 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 and still have some kind of home life. I mean, I think that's the number one thing, you know, if, if, and you know, if they did do a big effort to recruit younger people to do this, really, like I say, start them out at 22 or 23 and, and try to sell them on this idea. I wish I would have thought of this and done this, but if you could go out there and live in a truck for three or four years when you're young and able to handle this and do all this and it's still an adventure and only come home and crash in your parents' basement, you could save up a bunch of money. I mean, you really can't hardly get a blue collar job that will pay better than this without a lot more, you know, um, technical training and, and years to build up to get to that level. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, that'd be a great way to do it. And, you know, you tell these kids, hey, you know, you save half your money and do it for four years. You're going to have a really nice down payment to put on a house. And you could go work a cheaper job because you're not paying so much on your mortgage. You know, um, I mean, that would be the only way I'd see getting young people into it. Um, if you can't get guys home so much, then really there needs to be some kind of, if it's public-private partnership or whatever to get more truck parking available for guys. That would take away a lot of stress. Um, you, I want to hit this real quick because yeah. you've had an idea before that I want about you, you doing a public-private partnership with rest areas and truck stops. Yeah. Right? Sure. Talk about that a little bit. Well, well I mean, just, you know, like I say, you know, as, as I was making fun of the, the, the boards that say how many truck parking spots are open um you can say it doesn't really do any good at all and like say take that money and say you know or we're going to you know you're going to build this new truck stop here and, and you know they're, they're you know they're trying to make money at this whole thing too and we, we've put so much you know land here well we want you we're going to throw in to help you buy a few more acres here and you you know we will fund you to put in you know 50 more Truck parking areas. spots, you yeah. know, expand at these existing truck stops, you know, get parking built. That's that, that, that might be the most stressful thing that somebody could fix. You know, I mean, um, it, you know, infrastructure, you know, that needs to be fixed, too. But that takes years to get going. You got to get all these negotiations done to get it done. And then building a bridge takes a long time, you know. So so, so that's real slow. Um, you obviously, you know, the weather is another huge stressor. You can't do much about that. But we can pretty easily add on to these truck stops, make them bigger. A lot of them are sitting out in a wheat field somewhere. You know, I mean, there's plenty of room for them to grow. They just need to get the land and pay for it. You know, and I know it's not even that simple. You know, you got to worry about drainage and over, you know, but there's still ways we could, we could do this and make this thing better. And they're just, you know, it's like they're dragging their feet. You know, they, when these truck stop companies come in and put a place in, they're saying, we got this many trucks, we're building it for this much. And it'll fill up every night and they're good. And, and, you know, the other thing is that, that I think would be another thing we could look at is, you know, so many towns are opposed to having truck stops in them. But, hey, you don't eat unless the truck comes to your town. Okay? You don't, the shelves are empty unless the truck comes to your town. What your town produces, manufactures, however you look at it, there's no money to be there unless the truck comes and picks it up and gets it out of there. So whether you want trucks in your town or not, they're going to be there. Um, You don't necessarily have to have a truck stop. You know, I mean, have every town that, that that has a certain size to it. Make them have an area somewhere within walking distance of a convenience store that's 24 hours and a couple of restaurants, just so a guy can get parked in there. You know, have a, have have a, like a little mini rest area, you know, with some bathrooms there, so you got that available. So so guys just not stuck on an island. I mean, I think that that would be one of the biggest things that would help. Um, you know, the other thing is is that you know guys get stuck out on the road so much. I was lucky. I had a place that wanted us to come back so we could pick up more of the product and get it going again. Um, you know, a lot of these big mega fleets, they say every week you're out, you earn one day at home. And, you know, so, hey, six weeks out, I want to go take six days at home. Oh, no, we need, well, we'll run this for me real quick. Well, I got to have you run this now for, you know, and they just keep abusing these guys, not getting them home. I mean, there's got to be more incentive to get these guys home. Um, I think that would help a lot, too. Um, you know, but that, that just messes with their business model. And so, I, you know. I don't see how enough truck drivers could ever get that change, you know, because I mean, there's too many guys are still willing to do it. Companies are willing to take advantage of them. 
So, you know, but so, you know, that's kind of a pipe dream too on that. But, but I do think more parking, um, you know, and this is another thing too. I've never, when we designed the interstates from city center to city center, I mean, and, and we, we basically designed these to transport goods quicker. You know, the public gets to enjoy them. You, you get out on vacation quicker or whatever. But really, it was to move goods. And then what are you doing running it from the most congested part of the city all the way across to the next most congested part of the city? <laughs> they should have built these things like 40 miles away from the city center. And so you if you, that was the city you were going to, you'd drop down and go to it or something. Yeah. You know, they built these loops around, but they're just as congested as going right through the middle of the city in most towns. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's so many things that we've done over the years that have just made this worse and worse. And, you know, and the population growth has been so much the past 50 years. Uh, more and more people on the road, more and more distracted drivers. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stressors with it. I mean, I, I am really so glad now that I, I don't drive more than like 120 miles in a day. And most of that is on rural U.S. state or county blacktops, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it makes it a lot nicer. Because you've talked about that before, that the traffic, there's more road, more cars on the road. Yeah. Um, and, and more of those people are, are driving with their cell phone in their hand. cell phone in their hand. And you yeah. see that all the time. Oh, constantly. Oh, you really see it when you're set up in a truck because you can look right down inside yeah. any car. You see some other interesting stuff too. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're looking at, the, looking at their phones and not paying attention. And, you know, and then, and then sometimes, you know, you, you won't even know you've done it. You know, you might have you know, merged into another lane and didn't realize the guy was coming up behind you really fast. And so then you made him mad, then he'll whip around you and then he'll brake check you. Yeah. And, you know, in a perfect world, you wouldn't even worry about it. You just roll on through. <laughs> but you, you, you know, Hey, I mean, you've got a whole lot on the line here, you know, so you got to be careful and, you know, then your load shifts on you. I mean, it's just, you know, people will do just bad stuff and they don't have any idea, you know, that your truck might be governed that, you know, all these things, they just, you're in their way and they make you mad. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, the governing, you know, where they reduce the speed of your motor. That's, you're right. People don't understand that. There's they, a lot they don't people understand. don't understand. They yeah. don't understand load shifting. Like if you have to hit your yeah. brakes real fast, yeah. everything moves in that truck. And now your whole balance is different than it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so along those lines, what, what is, what is something aside from those things, uh, or one thing that you wish the general public knew about, trucking or being a truck driver? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I, I just wish people would, would really just understand that the vast majority of these guys are mm -hmm. husbands, fathers, brothers, grandfathers, whatever. Um, and, and, and like I say, they, they're normally, you know, almost any time you see a wreck that has a truck involved in it, I would say 98% of the time it's not the truck driver's fault. They really are pretty dedicated to being safe um, and conscientious about getting down the road. And, um, you know, you just, uh, and, and it's just like I say, it's, just, it, it's a hard, it's a hard life. I mean, I will never say I'll never do that again, but it would be really hard for me to ever want to go back and get on the road again. It just really would be, um, you know, I don't know, maybe if they could, you know, pay me 150 grand a year and promise me a, a really easy route and good weather, then maybe I'd do it. But otherwise it's just, it, it, there's just too many downfalls to it anymore. Yeah. Too hard of a job. It's, it's just too hard of a job. Like I say, the pay is good, you know, for, for not having a college degree or anything, but it's not enough for what you got to go through. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for coming here today and talking with us a little bit and helping us understand. I think it's important. You know, I see things in the news and I think it's really important to to, like I said, go to the source and find out what's really going on. And I'm really glad that you uh, let me talk you into coming down here today. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you having me on. I have a lot of stuff I want to get off my chest anyway. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank a few of the people who have helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast and Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Salt City Sound Production.